Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 3 of the podcast. In this episode, I sat down with a good mate of mine, Ben Dayton. Ben is a fantastic leader, and in my opinion, is super wise before his time. In this chat, we talked about leadership, tattoos, the Enneagram, goal setting, and so much more. We had so many laughs along the way, and I really hope you enjoy this super wide-ranging conversation with Mr. Ben Dayton. Ben Dayton, welcome to the show, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks for coming on, man. So, so glad that you are here. Yeah. Well, it's nice to uh, nice to be here and an honor to be invited onto the show. So, go. thanks for having me. Third guest. Third guest. Yeah. I mean, I'll go. take that. That'll go down in history. Wasn't it always third time's the charm? Yeah. So, bring I mean, the charm. Exactly. I'm expecting incredible things now. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> thought I was just bringing my good looks, but you're right. It's a podcast. So. <laughs> exactly. Useless here. No, no filming equipment just yet. Like, yeah. There's not, that's not in the budget. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It costs a little bit more. <laughs> so, for people that don't know you, when you have to introduce yourself to a stranger, how do you usually do it? Well, normally what I do is uh, I firstly tell them that I'm a pastor. And then the next thing that normally gets asked is, but you have like tattoos and piercings, so you don't look like a pastor. Like literally, I was just at Apple and I said, oh, I'm a pastor. He said, oh, I thought you were going to say like a carpenter. And again, just because i got piercings like, and like tattoos. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. So, I was like close. Yeah. This Similar. time, I'm, I'm more a representative for Jesus yeah, at the that's, moment. Yeah, that's true. There you go. And you wouldn't want me building anything for you. I'm terrible at that. No, but no. yeah, normally, I t- just tell them I'm a pastor, you know, married to Rachel, um, who's amazing and... Yeah, I love AFL, which is a big deal up here in Queensland. Huge like, deal. Yeah, so yeah. people kind of like we have often write me off. Most incredible team there is at the moment. The Brisbane Lions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got a soft spot for them now because my, my team that I go for is Hawthorne and um, our old captain, Luke Hodge, now plays for the Lions. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I kind of go, all right, like the Lions are all right in my book just because I get to see Hodgie. So, yeah. I, I was a – oh, this was years ago. It must have been – you probably know more than I do, but it was the year there. There's quite a few years there when they were just slaying. They were yeah, two thousand and one, two and three. Yeah, yeah. And I remember we watched every game because my parents, well, my dad was born in Victoria. He's a big oh. AFL fan. Yeah, yeah. He's born in Box Hill, I think, in Melbourne. Probably got that wrong, but it's. A, I've heard that yeah. he's mentioned Box Hill. Yeah, so well, I'm it's a good that's suburb. A place. Yeah. yeah. Um, we watched every game. And then it kind of showed how much of a fan he was because as soon as the Brisbane Lions stopped winning, we just switched over to rugby yeah. league. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they've been through some pretty rough years. Yeah. Like, it's not even like they were close to winning. Yeah. Because that was when Lee Matthews, I think, was their coach. Yeah. And then... And see, Lee Matthews was a Hawthorne guy. He played for Hawthorne. Oh, really? Yeah. So, soft spot for the Lions. There you go. Because yeah. I, I didn't actually realize that he... This, is, this shows my knowledge. I didn't realize that he was a player. Yeah, Which, well, I'm guessing he's considered he's, yeah. the goat. He's considered greatest of all time, Lee Matthews. Is that what goat means? Yeah, is that what they that? call Nathan Lyon the goat? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah, really. that's exactly. I right. legitimately always wondered what the heck, why are they calling him the goat? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'm oh, already being helpful, man. The already wisdom. teaching you stuff. Yeah, the wisdom of the carpenter. That's exactly. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so yeah, goat, greatest of all time. There you go. Right. Uh, I wasn't going to ask this until later, but you seen as you mentioned tattoos and piercings. Yeah. Where did you where did you get your tattoos done? 
um, all over the place. I've actually never been to the same tattoo artist twice. Oh. Yeah. Why is that? Is that because you're not stoked on the ones you have? Yeah. (laughs) Every single time I'm like, God, this guy also sucks. No. Um, Just some of them have been like while I've been on holidays. Um, So, I found like a really good place nearby. I was like, oh, sweet. They can do it for me. They had time, made it happen. Uh, And the other one is just some of them are slightly different styles to other ones. So, um, you kind of, my philosophy is try and go to a tattoo artist who like, like focuses on those areas. Yeah. So... Um, I find someone in the area that seems to be the best of the bunch around that and try and go to them and, yeah. and get them to do it. And how long How long do you usually spend thinking about what you want to get before you get one? Mm. It's interesting. I spend less time thinking about it now that I'm older than okay. I did when I was younger, which well, you, is weird because I thought I'd spend more time. Do you reckon that's also because you've, you've already got some, so you might as well get some more? I think probably yeah. a little bit. I think also... Probably when I was younger, it was a little bit more just nervousness about the whole experience. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, I kind of know, and I'm pretty comfortable that if I've been sitting on an idea for a few months, that yeah. actually that's long enough. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sold on it. I'm, yeah. I'm okay with getting this. Okay. Because the only reason I ask is I've, I've been thinking about getting one for quite a long time now, and I've just been um, talking to different people yeah. about it. Because you can do so much research online. Oh, totally. So many different schools of thoughts and- at the end of the day, you're like, if you get something that you like, yeah, who cares? You yeah. Know, like, I figured yeah. by the time we're like 60, they'll have incredible technology if I don't like it anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's true. You can get it lasered off. And I think by the time you get to 60, there's a little bit of like, I don't really care. Yeah. That's what yeah. I imagine. Yeah. I already don't really care what other people think about it. Yeah. I can just imagine when I get to 60, it's going to be even less less cares given. Yeah, exactly. It'll all be like all stretchy and yeah. nice. Yeah, but then that's value for money, you know. Like <laughs> exactly, got more surface area yeah. out of it. You've gone from an A five to an A four. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if you for get free. To, you'd have to be pretty big to be an A. <laughs> you would <laughs> eat a lot of macas. That would be yeah, a lot of macas. <laughs> oh, I not- watched. Um, people will have no idea what we were talking about, but um, you know how we were talking about Ollie Sykes from Bring oh, yeah. Horizon. Yeah, I looked at his tattoo that yeah. you were talking about. It looks flipping awesome. Eh? It does. It's pretty. F- I don't know how that'll look when he's sixty. No, but- that one will look. That one won't age well. I don't think. But uh, yeah, I showed Daddy L that. It's just like hor- she was horrified. Yeah, she was. Uh, it's so funny. I mean, it looks good now, but in the middle process, yeah, when his arm was just completely black. Oh yeah, it was, nuts. was not. It looked like he. It looked like when I was a kid and I used to steal the teacher's like stamp pads oh, yeah. and put it all over. Yeah? <laughs> just stamp yourself up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what a guy looked like. Yeah. But he probably paid a lot of money for that. To yeah, happen. a lot. Oh, when you're famous like that, though, you probably got tattoo artists saying, "Can I tattoo you?" Yeah, because the, they want to get their rep out. So you might yeah, have got true. some for free. Yeah, true. But that would take because for people that don't understand, just Google Ollie Sykes arm tattoo. Yeah, it's it's like full. How would you call it? They call it a blacked out sleeve. How, is that, how do they do that? I don't know, but it must take so much time because <laughs> yeah. it's just the whole arm is tattooed black ink. Yeah. And then they just tattoo over the top of it in like white ink. So, They I must have like multiple needles or something going on. I don't know you how. You have to imagine. So. Yeah. But the craziest part is he used to have a whole, sl- a whole arm of tattoos underneath that. Yeah. And then he got it blacked over the top of that and then he's got more over the top. So that one arm has copped an absolute flogging. It, it's probably like an inch thicker. Yeah. Just from the build-up of it. Yeah. He probably has like a bigger bicep because he yeah. has to lift his arm up the whole time. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good way to get ripped, I guess. Yeah. Just uh, it's like constant constant weights. Anyway, now we're talking crap. Yeah. But um so you mentioned that you moved up from where'd you live? Ballarat. Ballarat, nailed what, it. Well, why'd you move up from Ballarat? So I moved up from Ballarat to Brisbane for a job at Gateway Baptist Church as the youth pastor there at the McKenzie campus. So, solely moved up for work. And I mean, I got family up here. The weather is way better. Pretty cool people up here. Oh, there's some, yeah, some really great people. Not that I knew that at the time, you know what I mean? It was (laughs) kind of like a hedged bet. It's like, I'm pretty sure there'd be some good quality people here. Yeah, it's very, yeah. It's, they're hard to find, but. Yeah, but I found a few, so that's always good. Yeah, Yeah, that's always a plus then. Yeah. And is that, is that kind of something just thinking about, you know, being a youth pastor, things like that, is that something that you've always wanted to do, if you know what I mean? Like uh, like so if when you were in high school, what what were you how were you like? I oh, was sitting in careers class and they're like, So what do you want to do for the rest of your life? No, pastor was not my number one preference. Okay. Um What was? Well, I always wanted to be a sports star. Like yeah. when I was a kid, I always wanted to play cricket for Australia or play footy for um, Hawthorne, like AFL, sorry, yeah. not rugby league. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Football. I would have got destroyed. Football for me is um, soccer. soccer. Oh, so. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, gotcha. I'm one of those guys. Yeah, you are. <laughs> That's all right, though. You're still a good quality guy. Yeah. Um, but it was something like that. Doing doing those sort of things was the dream. Realized quite quickly that I wasn't going to be tall enough. So thanks, mum and dad. Yeah. Um, for the poor genetics on that front. But thought, you know what? would be the second best thing. If I can't be a sports star, would be hanging out with sports stars. That's true. So, I wanted to be a sports physio. Yeah. And, you know, a little bit to hang out with sports stars, but also I, th- I loved the idea of, you know, like just being one of those expert guys that see someone break their leg and be like, yeah, they'll be out for like six and weeks. You get to run out on the field with like a bum bag. Yeah, yeah. Be like, oh no, <laughs> yeah. my star player's injured. <laughs> yeah. But also at the same time, yes, this is where I get to shine, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was kind of the dream, but then- I was nowhere near smart enough in year 12 or devoted enough to my studies or in a good enough um, emotional and mental yeah, <laughs> state yeah. of mind during year 12. Yeah. It was not um, not fruitful to get the ATAR score yeah. that I needed. It's it's. I imagine it's a hard, and plenty of people do it, I reckon it would be a hard transition to go from high school to studying like, you know, I think that's probably why they don't, you can't study medicine straight up and yeah. things like that, but. When I was in high school, I didn't even finish high school, but um, that shows how committed yeah. I was. <laughs> um, I, I, the, the thought of studying something. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I just went to the skate park instead. No, oh, you know, preach. That was the place. And so, so that kind of, you know, you decided not to do that. And, then, and so then where to from there? So after year 12 finished, I didn't get what I was looking for, obviously, because I didn't get the results that I needed. And so, I was kind of just floating around. I got offered an internship at my church back in Ballarat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, at like 18, straight out of high school, come and do just a year, one day a week, learning and doing a little bit of study. But one of my best mates who um, lived in Seymour, which is basically this town that you drive past on your way to Sydney from Melbourne. Okay. Like, that's what it's known for. I think it's got a, tr- a cool train or something there, and I think there's an army barracks nearby. All right, that's, that's kind of what it's known there. for. Yeah, there's like five thousand. Is that people why it's that called Seymour? Because they're like, you can come here, but you can see more elsewhere. Yeah, Seymour <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> that's oh right. man, that joke could have been so much better than I did. <laughs> Not think about that one. 
<laughs> That's right. It was organic, man. It was natural. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so he lived there and he found out about a gap year course at a Bible college okay. um, in Melbourne called Year in the Sun. And you get nice and tanned. <laughs> not, not in Melbourne. It was Sun S O N, like you oh, know Jesus, okay. the Son of yeah. God. There used to be a festival called Sun Sunfest. Yeah, S O N. Yeah, S O N. Yeah, yeah. 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 and Classic. it used to rain all the time. Yeah, <laughs> the the rich irony. <laughs> yeah, but um, so he sold it to me not so much as a Bible college course, but as in a, hey man, I'm doing this thing down in Melbourne. My parents have a house that we can live together in, okay. and I was like. Sick. That's that's the dream. Yeah. yeah, and my parents did this cool thing, which I definitely want to do when I have kids. Is the year after high school, if um, us as kids took twelve months to invest in our faith, they would give us one year's worth of school fees. So the fees that they were paying for us in high school, they would con- continue for one more year. Wow. And so I got that used to pay my rent. That's good. Yeah, that is a good deal. Yeah, it was awesome. Man. So I had that and. The offer of my best mate being down in Melbourne. And I was like, yeah, I'll do this course because I'll get the Centrelink. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> yeah. full-time study. Um, and then my rent will be paid for and I'll live with my best mate. This will be sweet. Yeah. And, you know, like, I wasn't going down there to necessarily learn heaps about God. I was like, yeah, that'll be fun. Learn a bit. but See what happens. Yeah, exactly. But at the end of the year, the plan was that I'd go back to Ballarat and just see what I could do at uni yeah. after that or maybe work until I figured out something else. Yeah. But it was just while I was there that, like, I had an experience with God that totally just rocked me, changed my whole life. Like, one of those experiences where I walked into a room, a certain person in a certain mind, you know, state of mind, emotionally, even just what I was carrying, and walked out a different person. Wow. Like, three hours later, to the point that people commented that I was there on. It was like a mid-year retreat. They said what happened to you in there, you look different. Like there's something different about your eyes. Like just like weird wow. stuff. Like walked out a completely what do, what different do you person. Mean, what do they mean? Like what, what do they mean something different about your eyes? Well, I think what I'd probably been carrying a lot of pain and hurt, you know, just from, you know, um, year 12. So basically what had happened is I'd had like this girlfriend that I'd been with. She cheated on me a whole bunch of times. So mm. I was devastated about that. Um, tried to get some validation through another girl. Um, she didn't cheat on me, but just wasn't interested. That sort of died off. And so I just deep dived into the emo hardcore scene. So yeah. I did the whole like, literally, I think that girl, the second girl sort of like broke broke things off with me. And I'm pretty sure like three weeks later, I dyed my hair black. I went and got a piercing. <laughs> and I just listened to like the most emo, screamo like yeah. music that I could. Just really, yeah, fully deep dived into it. Just went off the like the deep end a little bit. Like my humor got real dark. I was hanging out with guys that weren't necessarily the best influence. Not in like a terrible way. I was still going to church, doing all yeah. that, but didn't necessarily align with your values or no morals. Or- no, and I was just hurting. I didn't really know what I was standing for, but yeah. I just knew that I kind of wanted to have a bit of um, a bit of space from people. I didn't want to get too close emotionally yeah. or anything like that. So. You know, I did the whole classic, like, wear a lot of black, wear aggressive, like, T-shirts. Like, you know, I'm rocking bands, like, Impending Doom, you know, like... Sounds so happy. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> oh, that looks like a happy, fun guy to go and talk yeah, to. exactly. Um, so, just that sort of stuff. So, I just deep dived into that. Got a couple more piercings as the year went on. Like, by the time I started Bible college, I had um, my ear, my, like, little tragus one, which is, like, the little oh, bit yeah, on the, the side thing. of your head, like, little cartilage bit. Both my 
earlobes. My I had a lip ring nice. and a nose ring. Wow. Yeah. So I had all that. Don't go through the airport. No, <laughs> I didn't travel very much. I always wanted. I remember when. Because how old are you? You're twenty. Twenty-seven. Yeah. About, I'm twenty-eight in April. Okay. So so you're, whenever this comes out. Yeah. Well, it'll probably come out pretty soon. So. Yeah. Maybe still 27. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll bring it out on your birthday. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. 28. Yeah. Uh, So, you're a year younger than me, so we're probably around the same sort of time. But I remember when I – I think I was still in high school. Hmm. All I wanted was like a lip piercing. Oh, yeah, that was so cool. And the one – my mate had one and it had like the little – it was a ring, but then it had like the little – Ball thing yeah, on it. that's what I had. Oh, he was the sickest dude ever. Oh, thanks. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that my way. No, I look back on it and go, that would be so annoying. Like, oh, it was. Yeah. The first you- day I got it done, you had to have a little stud in, and I went to like have dinner with my dad and his boss. So, like, my dad was working at Churches of Christ conference. I was meeting with the CEO <laughs> of Churches of Christ, Victoria and Tasmania. I'm trying to eat a burger, and my lip ring got hooked on my tooth. Oh my god! And I fully like like yelped and then like had to get my finger in and like unhook it. <laughs> I'm sure my dad was like, apologies for my son or something. Like it the, was the youth of today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This guy would have been like 55, 60 and he was probably thinking the exact same thing. What a great influence you are. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Would you say, would you say that was with the, those girlfriends and, and that time in your life? Would you say that's probably like one of the toughest times you've had in your life? Do you think? Or? Yeah, I think it was a pretty shaping time for me. Like yeah. I look back now and like some of my stuff has been that I've always had to work through is kind of like the world is out to get get me. Like yeah. everyone's against me. People are going to like reject me. There's yeah. a whole lot of that sort of stuff that I carry. And I think it comes back from there, you know, a couple of key sort of steps out into romantic to people love me and value me yeah. as a person. And to have those sort of things happen, like, you know, get cheated on, have someone reject you pretty quickly, I think probably um, enforced some of that inner inner narrative I had about people being against me and people not being for me and that battle about myself and other people loving and and caring about me. It it knocks you around that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. Particularly those first couple of relationships can be quite formative if they, especially if they go south traumatically like that, yeah. Well, and at that... That time of your life, I I don't know about you, but at that time of my life, I was not thinking 10 years ahead. You know, I wasn't thinking about this will be different when I'm in my late 20s or even mid-20s. It was like, I'm 18, I'm an adult, this is the worst (laughs) thing ever. Yeah. You look back on it and you go, man, you had no responsibilities, like like a little bit of responsibilities, but, you know, I think... Which is natural because your worldview's so small at that time in yeah. your life. You just build everything up and it's massive. Yeah, because yeah. it's the first time you've dealt with heartache. So, it's the worst heartache you've ever felt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's that level of experience. Yeah. It's yeah. your worst, you know, your first breakup is your worst breakup because yeah. you've never had a breakup before. No, exactly. Yeah. I had plenty of breakups. Yeah, I had a few too. I, I didn't. I, I was never the one breaking up though. I was always broke. What's Broken up with. Broken up with. Yeah. But as a high school, like, man, you have another girl the next day. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so, you just text their friend, don't you? <laughs> yeah. The relationships, like, I've there was a there was like a couple in my school, and they were like, you know, the classic couple that were dating since they were twelve or something. Ridiculous. No, yeah, yeah. But um, everybody else, 
there was like our fr- I don't know how there weren't more arguments and fights looking back on it. But you think I was looking looking back on it on the uh, the other day, going, how did how did I get through the day just with the the mentality? And, you know, how did I learn anything? Yeah. It's probably why I didn't finish school, to be honest. So maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, it's such a such a crazy time of year, and as you said, a really like shaping yeah, time of year. Totally. Do you think that that um, how you're saying like that kind of instilled in you a bit of other worlds against me, almost glass half empty kind of view? Have you, has that carried on? In your life, do yeah, you think? yeah, yeah, totally. And it's I probably wouldn't say it's like glass half empty, but it's more. Uh, I'm constantly battling everything. Yeah, okay. So, and I probably didn't realize how deeply it ran um, until I've just been like you know doing some work and and trying to understand myself and why I operate the way that I operate. But it probably came to a a head when, and this is going to sound so weird. It was my my first ever preach at gateway at a 6 p.m service so i'd been preaching at youth as part of my role yeah but you know this was the 6 p.m service this was speaking to my peers this was on one of the main stages so i felt like oh man i really want to really want to bring it and it was in october i prepared this message i practiced it like six times because i was so like nervous about it yeah and then there was a massive storm and it cut the power to the church so we couldn't have a service and so um i think i was on base that night yeah. I'm pretty sure every time I've been on guitar, it's uh, the power's gone out. Yeah. Something about me and, and Tertia as well. She, every time we've been on team together, yeah. power's gone well, out. Well, I think it's the same. Maybe it's the three of us. Maybe we're the trinity <laughs> yeah. that caused it to happen. Too much power I've had, out of us. Yeah. I've had two <laughs> communion talks and a sermon that have been canned well. from, from the power going out. And it hasn't happened in a while. So, maybe we just haven't been on team in a yeah, while it's at the same it. time. But, yeah. So, that happened. And... um. I felt fine about it. I was like, all right, that's okay. I'll wait a, a little while. And it was probably six weeks later. I can't remember what it was, but I was just in a bad mood. I got up really early um, to just get ready for work. And I was just having one of those conversations with like, you know, God in my head. I was really frustrated about stuff. And it was literally, I was getting out of the shower. You know, shower time's the best time to have those conversations because yeah. there's no one to interrupt you. And um, I'm just having this conversation. And I remember I was... I had this thought come into my head and I was like, man, my, my sermon that I was going to speak in October must have been so bad that God made sure I couldn't preach it. I remember oh, thinking wow. that. Yeah. And then I just had like, and, you know, for those who are listening and aren't Christians, I don't know how else to describe it, but, you know, you might just describe it as your inner conscience. Um, but just had this, this other voice in my head, which I just took as God, that just said, why do you presume that I'm against you? Mm. Yeah. Well, and I was like... Which is crazy because as a pastor, I stand up there like on a Friday, on a Sunday, just telling people God's for you. God works all things together for your good. But how I'd been living my life was as if everyone, even God at times, is against me. Mm. And I'm somehow battling all of these circumstances all the time. Yeah, wow. And so that was really like one of those like hit yourself around the head with a bat kind of moments. It was just like, whoa, like it stopped me in the tracks. And I was like... Man, I didn't even, I would never have said that. Mm. And yet, the way I talked to myself and thought about some of those situations was that, oh, God's out to get me. There's something I've done that means He's now trying to stop mm. me succeeding or me having, you know, great things happen. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it is amazing how, and I'm starting to learn a lot about it with, um, you know, doing things like the Enneagram, which I know you love. We yeah. can probably chat about that a bit more. 
Um, but just reading some books on like psychology, things like that, mm. learning, I don't know, what do they call them? Like um, the unconscious, uh, unconscious, like how how you you believe things that you don't even know that you believe. Yeah, you know? and it's crazy. It's it's scary, but it's also I kind of like looking at it from the flip side, where I'm like, hey, if I can change those things, man, life is going to be you know amazing. Yeah. I can do. And so learning how to change those things and just stuff that has just been somehow ingrained in you that now it's so deep that you don't even know where it's come from. And it's only in moments like that like yeah. you had where you go, wow, this is a lie that I've been believing. Yeah. Or, you know, and it, I, think it, I think it works both ways. You could have like truth that's been speaking in, spoken into you and – you know, one of the things that I'm really interested in is, you know, um, the power of like positivity, which mm. sounds silly. Like I'm, I hate all that sort of like, just think and you'll be incredible. You know, think yeah, that yeah, way and it'll yeah, happen. Right. But I'm starting to learn like it's this, it, it's so true. Like um, yeah. if you think negative and you're a negative person and you're constantly, you know, thinking that the world's out to get you, that people don't want the best for you. Good things aren't going to happen to you just yeah. because you will see everything in that light. Whereas, as I'm starting to learn, you know, looking into the future and thinking, what what do I want my life to look like? This is, or not even thinking. It's another level, which is what I'm starting to learn as well. Is it's not even just thinking, this is what I want it to look like. It's putting yourself in that situation and going this is what my life looks like, you know? So, yeah. you know, and and, um, and then you reverse engineer that. So you go, this is what my life looks like. How do I, now I can work backwards and figure out what I need to do to get to that point. Yeah, starting now. You know? Yeah, that's um, cool. And it's it's huge because it, 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 for me it flicks that mentality. It, it flips it on its head because you're not, you know, I'm a big person that's, so on the Enneagram I'm a three. So I'm yeah, constantly okay. achieve, trying to well, yeah, constantly yeah. trying to achieve, but also my like dark side of me is I think that everybody you know I think that I'm sort of worthless and that people think that and so I I have to achieve to to make people like me sort yeah, of yeah to bring some sense of worth to who you are yeah, yeah so I spent a long time trying to figure out my why things like that and um. Every day you'd be like, yes, this is the one. You'd write it down and then the next day you'd be like, ah, oh, no, I don't like that one. I think it's this. And it got to the point where I was so confused and it was like your head is just a cloud with all this, you know, information that you don't know how to express. But I went and saw a counsellor and one of the things mm. he said was sit down somewhere, don't don't look at any like a YouTube video that's saying this is how you find your why. He's like, um, sit down, be quiet. And just really think about what you want your life to look like. Yeah. And I realized I'd never actually done that. You know, I'd I'd kind of thought about what I would what I should do in order to get to where I want to go. Yeah. But I never actually thought about like a, like a super clear picture of the destination. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? And not just like, hey, I want to be able to work for myself or something. Yeah. But actually, you know, it's as in depth as I want to work for myself doing this, I want to have five staff in this kind of office. Wow, so you got like really specific. Yeah, and I, like I still am on that journey. Yeah, yeah. But because the more 
and it's not saying that because that will exactly happen. Yeah. But it's painting a clear picture for yourself. Um, and I, I'm finding it really helps. Yeah. You know, because then that way you go, well, that's what I'm aiming for. Now I need to figure out the steps to get there. How do you go like with that? Are you finding, because I sit here thinking, go, yeah, that would be really encouraging. But at the same time, I go, but if I felt like if I wasn't making progress quickly enough, I would very quickly dive into frustration, you know, anger, yeah. bitterness about, no, oh, man, like I, I thought I'd be further than I am now. How do you find uh, that? That's a, that's a, that's a challenge. Um, yeah. But one of the things, especially like, like the guy who's been my counselor, he was saying, you know, my personality type, I'm always going to be thinking of the next thing. Like I, yeah. that's one of the reasons I started this podcast because I'm so curious. Like I'm, I just said curious. <laughs> I'm so curious. Yeah. Great tennis player. <laughs> Terrible human being. <laughs> Terrible human being. I should talk to him. You but, should. Um, that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. But um, like because I just I'm constantly looking for the next thing and like trying to learn and in, interested. But he was saying. That's awesome, but your biggest struggle then is going to be focusing on something. Mm. So I've started a whole bunch of things in my life. You know, I've started a, a few businesses that really the only reason that they kind of didn't take off is because I got bored. Yeah, you know, like, wow. um I started BPM, which was the clothing company. Yeah, had this awesome heart behind it. Learned so much doing it, but then probably I think it was about twelve months in, I was like, ah. Oh, I don't think this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. On to the next thing. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But then you just throw throw that all away and you're on to the next thing. Mm. But then, so one of the things he was saying is you've kind of just got to start and do and go, this is what I enjoy doing now. And I think it's that self-awareness. Understand yeah. that there will be plenty of things that come at me where I go, I think I'd rather be doing that, but having the self-awareness and the – I don't know if confidence is the right word, but to go, you know what, I could go in all these directions, but I'm just going to go in this direction and see yeah. where it takes me. Yeah. You know, because there's a chance, you know, I'd go down this podcast route, yeah, like in five years' time, I might not be doing podcasting. Yeah, yeah. But at least I've, I look at it as the worst case, I've talked to interesting people and learned a lot. Yeah, that's cool. Made some new friends. Hopefully, if I'm a nice person, um, yeah. things like that. But yeah, you kind of just there and acknowledging that those time there are going to be those times of frustration, uncertainty, just wanting to go fast because that's yeah. what I want to do. But yeah, you want to get there that, as quick as possible. Yeah, but just yeah. understanding that's not how life works, you know. Like, um, and I think that comes with learning about yourself, but just also. I think just experience as well. And I, I I, say that a bit strange because I'm only 28. Well, how old am I? Yeah, 28. <laughs> um, but um, even then I still think, you know, I have so much more experience than I did when I was 18. Yeah. You know? um, does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah. Sort of? Yeah. yeah. No, that's yeah. good. Yeah, that sort of thing. So you're a, what, what number are you on the Enneagram? I'm an eight. Eight. What's an what's an eight? They're called the challenger. Oh, so yeah. power focused, strength focused, um, 
hates sense of weakness or inferiority. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. And and a strong anti rejection base. So like okay. always try and avoid rejection, which is by coming on strong and, you yeah. know trying I, to be the like dominate in the yeah. In, yeah. Yeah. And the dominant force in the room in that sense of like, well, if people choose to reject me, that's fine because I'm in charge. Yeah. So you can just leave, you know, kind of sort of vibe. There's a bit of bit of that. Try and be strong in the sense of I've got my how to describe it also like smaller social group normally, like more tight knit. Yeah. group of people that you know are just like constantly for you mm. and so then it's a bit like well if people reject me that's fine because you know i've got these five or six people who really matter to me and as long as they don't life's good yeah yeah, yeah. are you an introvert or an extrovert i'm an introvert introvert yeah. yeah so that that smaller group of people around you as well probably makes sense as yeah well. you know, yeah you totally can, you can go super deep with those guys and not not as wide with a, a huge variety yeah of people in a way yeah, with and I'm guessing that's you're a pastor as well. So there's a there's a challenge there because you've also got to talk to people outside of your immediate network yeah. of people, but they're yeah. the people that you kind of you. I don't know what's the word. Yeah, you go you go deep with. I guess you spend the the deep yeah. parts of your life with. Yeah. yeah, and it is. It's like, like a little bit more complicated being a pastor. Like a lot of people want to say, oh, I'm an introvert, get surprised by that. And I think that's because there's a little bit of that stereotype of that you're on stage for 35 minutes talking the whole time. Um, and, you know, you're wheeling and dealing in the crowd after talking to people, saying hello, praying for people. But what they don't often get is as soon as I get in the car with Rachel, it's like silence, you know, like I might put some music on, we'll talk a little bit, but I'm like, I'm done for a little bit. I need a little bit of downtime between going to church and going to dinner because I know I'm about to have to like kick into gear. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, like my days off on Wednesday, um, I think the only person I talked to until Rachel got home was the lady at Australia Post who delivered, gave me my package. Yeah, well. That was it <laughs> and totally fine. Because you need to recharge. Yeah, like yeah. I actually loved it. It was a great day. Yeah. Did a few things, read a few books. Yeah, nice. But just had that sort of time just to myself and, yeah. Well, it's a mis- I think it's a big misconception when people, like, especially looking at, like, um, you know, pastors, but just also people who are doing speaking yeah. keynotes. A lot of a lot of them are introverts, mm. you know, um, and, and because people go, well, you have to talk to people. But in that in that moment, you're not necessarily making, if you're up on stage, you're not necess- you're not making one-on-one connections no. with people. Yeah. You know, you are sharing what you've learned to a group of people, and then yes, a lot of time you will then go and make those connections afterwards. But and it's I think it's the same token. There's a lot of extremely extroverted people who don't make good speakers and people like that, but they're yeah. incredible at going and connecting people and networking in the networking. crowd. Yeah. yeah, things like that. Um, yeah. but I also. Do you find, and um, with the Enneagram and things like that, you can kind of pigeonhole yourself as well? Like, I know when I started looking into it, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm a three. That means all this stuff that I'm potentially not good at, I don't have to do. Yeah. You know, I, I found myself doing that as a bit of a cop-out, whereas it's like, no, this is what I'm, where my, I naturally yeah. am. It doesn't mean I can't do those things. It just means that to be most effective I need, it's being aware, I think. Yeah, know? totally. Yeah. I think for me, what helped me not fall into that was the, um, the man who introduced me to it, my um, spiritual formation director, 
uh, his whole idea and, and the whole premise of the Enneagram is actually that this is a framework that helps you understand um, how you have operated to survive up to where you are right now. Yeah, that's good. Um, but that actually there's an invitation, and again, using Christian language, from God to be able to jump out of the box that you have put yourself in. So he sort of talks about it, and I really like that ideology, is that you're, um, that as you go through life and, you know, in your informative teen years and, you know, early 20s, you put yourself in a box, a way of thinking and interacting with the world that mm. falls in these sort of like, you know, I think it's the nine main personality categories and then you've got all this complicated stuff that goes on underneath. But um, you, you put yourself in a box in, in those sort of nine areas and you have found that living that way has been the most helpful for you to survive and to thrive in those environments. Yeah. But you can't keep staying there for a good, healthy life. Um, so, the, the invitation of the Enneagram is to actually recognize why and how you operate and then learn to transcend it, yeah. to step out from it. So, probably two quick little like examples of this has been I remember being at an event, State Youth Games in Victoria. Oh, yeah. It's like a big, you know, Christian sporting event. It's massive down there. So there's like 3,000 people wow. that sort of go along. And we were there and there was like a C-grade netball competition. So, like, this is like social sport and there's A-grade, B-grade and C-grade. And C-grade's the lowest. So, you're at a social sporting competition. It's not serious. You're not like training for it. No. And you're in the lowest grade of that. So like not, not there's not much at stake. There is nothing <laughs> at stake. But there was this one girl who her team probably should have made the semifinals. Yeah. But they didn't. And everyone was a bit like, oh, that's confusing. We probably thought they were going to make it. But everyone just moved on with the day. Not her. She had recorded all of the scores for the whole game and she went up to the umpires and the people who had been, you know, keeping the scores and said, Hey, I've done the math. I think you got some points wrong and I think you put the wrong team in the semifinals. And she did that while the semifinals were happening. She anyway, needs a life. Yeah, but she made this big <laughs> fuss to the point that they're like, fine, we'll make your team versus the winner of the appropriate semifinal that you were in to play off for the grand final or whatever. And I remember she came up and she said, she's like, hey guys, just so you know, this team's going to be playing us. And we were like, oh, but you guys didn't make the final. And she said, you know, explain the whole situation. And we're like, oh, that just seems weird. And she said, oh, Sorry, I'm a, is it a sanguine? It's one of the personalities. She's like, I'm a sanguine. That's just what I do. And I wanted to, as politely as I could, just yell at her. <laughs> yeah. Just be like, uh, yeah. you did not have to be yeah. your personality. Like that was a moment for you to actually go, that's something I would normally do, but this is C-grade netball at state youth games. I now have the option to just let it go. Yeah. But it's also understanding that's your that may be your personality, but that is your personality in its crappiest form. Yeah. You know, like that sounds harsh. Yeah, you still it, have a choice whether to yeah. act it out or not. Like that that's awesome that you're so detail orientated and, you know, want to win that much. But, <laughs> yeah, but do it in go and get better at netball. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do it somewhere where it matters. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that was one where it's like that's someone who uses a personality test as an excuse to continue to behave that way, yeah. which drives me nuts. But um, I remember when I first came out that I was sort of, a, you know, an eight. My brother also 
worked with me at the time. So he was an intern. So I was kind of his boss, which was the dream as yeah. an eight and the oldest child oh, yeah. to have your younger brother as an employee of yours. Yeah. You get to uh, boss him around for top, a living. Top dog. Top dog. <laughs> yeah. But he helped me understand how I would express, you know, like me being an eight in that. And so just a small example would be, it would be lunchtime, right? I'd look at the time and be like, oh, 12.35, I'm hungry. I'd be like, all right, boys, let's go get lunch. We're going to Subway today. Yeah. Because I just made the decision that it was lunchtime and where we would go. And he said, no, that's you being an eight, just being in control. And I said, oh, all right. So the next day I was like, all right, boys, do you want to have lunch now? And where would you like to go? And they, and he's like, no, again, you're determining who is making the decision. I was like, fine. Like, what do I do? And he's like, what well, you need to do if you want to be as the least normal version of yourself as possible, is it about 1230 to turn to us and go, hey, boys, um, who would you like to decide to where to go for lunch today? And when would you like that decision to be made by? You know, like as loose as possible. And I was like- That sounds awful. It was the worst. <laughs> I hated it. I was like, you guys- Suck. But again, it was the invitation actually going, all right, normally I just make a decision. Yeah. And actually what had been happening in the past was that they were like, yeah, but I'm in the middle of something and now I have to go to lunch. And so I wasn't leading them well because I was so focused on what I wanted to do and when I wanted to do it. Yeah, true. And so actually how I had been operating was aggravating and frustrating and, you know, annoying them in so many different ways. Yeah. And they were actually not in- inviting me to stop being myself, but they are inviting me to help me be a better leader. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good, eh? but that's only if you're willing to, instead of saying, I'm an eight, that's just what I do. When they say, no, you're being too, you know, dictative, to actually be like, all right, that's what I have done. Mm. What am I invited to do differently now? Well, it's interesting because I think, I think at the moment the Enneagram, it's, you know, it's been around. I think it's the oldest personality test, been around mm. for thousands and thousands of years or whatever. Yeah. But um, it seems to be like the thing at the moment as well, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I was actually listening to a podcast with, do you know Tim Ferriss at all? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's him talking He's to He's that four-hour work week guy, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, he does it for a few books and pretty good books. The yeah. title's terrible and he even admits, he's like, the title is not. Is misleading, <laughs> uh, but it actually makes sense when you read it. But um, he was interviewing a guy called Toby Lut- Lutke or something. I think he's uh, yeah. Norwegian, German or something from, and he lives in Canada and he started Shopify, you know, the online oh, yeah, yeah, commerce yeah. or like billion dollar company sort of thing. But he, he was a computer programmer before then, so he co-founded it. And then kind of got thrust into being the CEO when his other co-founder decided, ah, this is not going the way I want to go uh, and left. But he went through a bunch of personal development to try and go from a programmer who hated business to now running a billion-dollar company. Yeah, wow, that's a big transition. Big transition. But he found the Enneagram really helpful to the point where every staff member in Shopify has their number on their door. Um, so if you're wow. walking, yeah. So if you're walking into someone's office, you can see this person is a, I don't know, three. Yeah, I'm a six, and they have had extensive training to realize, not so much this person is going to act like this and that's fine. Yeah, but more so that he says it's because then everybody understands. I'm walking into a meeting with this person. Their natural tendency yeah. is going to be this. That's good. And so, how as a, you know, for me as a three, and say I'm walking to your office, you're an eight. How can I then work in a way that benefits us both? Yeah. You know? And it actually, 
he's like it, it can go both ways, but you can then sort of play on their their personality type mm. as well. So you know, uh, like Danielle, my wife, she's a six, yeah, um, through and through six. And I, after we did the Enneagram, we started. It's been really good for our marriage because we're and we've done a bunch of the other personality tests and just also talk to each other. So we kind of got to <laughs> that's always helpful. So yeah, communication. That's probably step <laughs> ten. I think. <laughs> if you've done all of the personality yeah, tests, then start then communicating. Start communicating. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but we, you know, we've kind of, and there's still so much to learn, obviously, but. You know, I I now find myself not all the time, but sometimes I guess when we're in our healthy uh, mindset of I'll say where there's a, something that is a bit of a challenge and we're discussing it. Yeah, I'm going okay. She's naturally coming from that way. Yeah. Whereas before I used to be like, what is wrong with you? Like, don't you just want to succeed and win? Yeah. And, uh, like that's putting it in a silly way, but. But she's coming in from the other side of, you know, she, she doesn't like change too much and she needs that stability. And Yeah. But I'm learning, but she thinks about everything. Say there's something, say we're going to go and buy a new car, which we yeah. haven't done. I'll have like figured out what car I want. This is the best one. Let's go and do it. Yeah. But she's thought about, you know, how that's going to affect every part of our life, which is sounds awful to me because I'm like, yeah. let's just go and buy a car. You know, yeah. but without listening to her, there's stuff that I would have missed. But at the same token, I also think, and Denny's quite good, but you you could she could easily get just caught up with all the details, yeah, and need someone to go. Okay, let's just go and do it now. Yeah, um, so it's interesting. It I is. think it's really key, especially for people in relationships and leading and business. Yeah, what well, I think for anything really. Oh, um, totally. Yeah, that's good. I just did the uh, Myers Briggs one as oh, yeah. well. I'd never done it before, and um, so I, I'd always thought I was an introvert. Yeah, because I just don't. I, I struggle to go and talk to people. Yeah, it came out that I was an extrovert. Mm. I was like, "This is garbage. What a load of crap!" <laughs> you know. And yeah. but after thinking about it, and then talking to my counselor, uh, he got me to do it because he's mm. he's a does a lot of that sort of stuff as well. But um. He started talking to me through all these scenarios. I was like, you know what? I am an an extrovert. Yeah, I'm quite a shy extrovert. Yeah. Um, but I've now started experimenting with. I'm feeling really down. How can I recharge? Before I used to be like, well, I'm an introvert. I need to go and read a book. And I'd read a book and just feel awful. I'd be like, <laughs> I, feel, I feel worse. Yeah. And so I think, well, maybe I need to read more books. You know, this sort of thing, because I'd pigeonholed my... It's, looking back on it, it's so dumb. Yeah. But now that I've figured that out, I can recharge a lot easier. Yeah. I just enjoy talking to people as well. Like, yeah. Like this, you know, I, I enjoy talking to people, you know, so... Yeah, it's good. It is good. Um, You you and me, we both went and saw Mr. Jordan. There's no... I was going to bring this up. I was There was a nice segue about 10 minutes ago, but I missed it. But we missed it. But we went and saw Jordan Peterson. On the notorious Jordan Peterson. The, notor- the notorious JP. <laughs> um, but I always think of Conor McGregor. The way that happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the notorious Conor McGregor. Notorious, very, very controversial figure, as the media like to call him. Yeah. And I guess he is controversial. Being too. notorious isn't bad, though. The original word was meant being of someone of note. Really? Yeah. There you Notoriety. Yeah, Noteworthy. True. Makes sense. Yeah. Oh, he is notorious. Yeah. 
I they're noteworthy be, people. I wouldn't mind being notorious then. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you phrase it, and it's kind of like, actually, you can call me notorious. Yeah. But yeah, we did go and see him. It's pretty good, eh? It was. I know there'll be some people listening who be like, oh, not that guy. The guy who yeah, that's fine. wants enforced monogamy, even though that's not what he wants. That's not what he wants. <laughs> but if you watch the BBC, of course he does. Or <laughs> Q&A. Yeah, Q&A. I watched some of those clips. Uh, he didn't do too well. I mean, no, so he didn't do too badly, but- um, yeah, it's hard. Oh, certain people they put on Q and A, don't they? Just set up to make it as difficult as possible. Yeah, yeah, it's like, impossible. Like we, we what we went and saw him. He how long did he speak for? You reckon two, two hours? Two hours, and he went through the twelve rules in his book. Yeah, so he has a book called The Twelve Rules for Life. If you Google this guy for anyone listening, you'll figure out what we're talking about. He's flipping everywhere at the moment. Yeah. But so he took two hours to do that, whereas I watched like a Q&A on the Q&A and they're like, Jordan, can you answer this question? And he's like just started talking and the moderator guy, who seems like a pretty nice dude. Yeah. He's like, that's your minute, Jordan. And then like that's all he gets is like a minute and a half, two minutes yeah. or whatever to discuss some deep philosophical discussions. Because everyone knows that the best way to discuss those deep issues is a minute at a time. Oh, yeah. Look at the project. So much good stuff comes out of the project. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's ridiculous. Man. Don't it get is. started on that. We'll go down a wormhole. <laughs> but uh, a wormhole? No, a rabbit hole. Anyway. It'll feel like both, let's be real. <laughs> exactly. You'll feel like you're in a new dimension. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, let's not go there. Well, what do you reckon was your biggest takeaway from that, from Thursday night? I I feel like probably two things stood out to me. And the first one was I don't even know if it was in his one of his rules or just when he started. He was just doing a bit of a monologue, but he talked about write, write talk, and speak about what grips you. Mm, okay. Because he, as as a communicator, I just thought, wow, that's really good. He's like, write, talk, and speak about, about what grips you because that is what – I can't remember exactly how he phrased it because it was so early on. Then you get smashed with all of yeah. the rest of the content. Yeah, I remember like at wow. random points through the night – trying to remind myself, speak about what grips you, you know, like um, because he's like that's what um, brings your soul alive, that's what is valuable and important to you, that's maybe what you were, you know, put on this earth to write, speak, yeah. you know, and, I and remember think that about. Now. Yeah, yeah. He's just talking about, I think he was just started talking about how he'd written the book. Yeah. And he was, and then he, because he talked about how, He's enjoyed, I think it's 157 lectures on yeah, this yeah. picture, which is crazy. But by doing that, he's been able to flesh out more and more what he's written about. Yeah. But yeah, he was saying, because it was a bit of a joke kind of thing, but he said, you know, as a tip, if you're going to write a book, write about something that you enjoy. Yeah. And write about something that you're passionate about. Yeah. Which sounds like trivial, but it's so... There's a lot of people who don't do that. I don't, yeah, you know? and it was—I think it was the way that he said it. It was that extra part of like there might the reason that it grips you might be because this is the truth that you're meant to to mm. really speak about. And I was like, wow, that was really cool. So I really liked that. And then I think the the next part that I really enjoyed was probably he talked about. I can't remember which rule it was with. I think it was the rule that it was about. I think it's rule four, which is like don't compare yourself to someone else, but compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Yes. You've got the book there, yeah, so you can book. confirm oh, or deny that. whether I'm right. Rule four is compare yourself to who you were yesterday. Yes. Not, nice one. Not to who someone else is today. Yeah. Yeah, that's 
And you got, that's awesome, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's such a good one. But he was talking about this whole idea of about getting the balance of having an ability to stand firm in kind of like who you are, like having one foot in who you are while also having another foot in who you can grow to be. So yeah. stretching yourself, learning new things, trying new things. And this whole idea of, I think I, I, the thing I loved the most was, and again, probably for me as someone quite fast-paced, want to get things done, yeah. let's make things happen quickly, was he was just like, if you can, you know, wake up the next day and go, you know what, today I'm one, you know, one hundredth of a percent better than I was yesterday, yeah. then you had a great day. Mm-hmm. Like, you're better for it. And um, I was like, you know what, that's probably more the mindset I need to have. Like, sometimes I kind of get to the end of the week and go, you know what, I didn't write that essay that I, th- that I really wanted to write, like the whole thing when it's like, well, actually, like I chipped away at it and actually during this week I was a little bit more disciplined than I was the week before, like yeah. actually having a bit more of, of that mindset and even, you know, comparing yourself to people. Obviously, I work with your wife, Danny, and she's super organized and what a privilege disciplined. Yeah, oh, it's great. <laughs> she's awesome. But um, She's amazing. That was a joke, Danny Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, she's so good. She's great in the office because, like, I'm not that. So, having her around sometimes, I'm like, hey, I've forgotten something. Danny will know what it is, though. That is my entire life. I bet. Me thinking Danny will know what it is. That is just, sorry, go on. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it's great. But at the moment, like, I'm celebrating because as of this recording, now I'm saying that because by the time this comes out, she'll have surpassed me. But I'm further through my university studies than she is because we're studying the same unit. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, I'm the best version of myself ever. <laughs> yeah. I'm killing it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I just liked that because that whole idea of you can just sort of grow in little ways. Yeah. Like one of my things this year has been, and I made it something that I've said to my wife and I'm saying to people, I even emailed my university supervisor, whoever that is, just said at the start of the year, said this year I'm aiming to be a better student. I didn't say aiming to get high distinctions on anything. I'm just aiming to be a better student than I was last yeah, year. Yeah. And um, like that's a way – I felt like listening to him talk about it, I was like, that's just way healthier. Yeah. I'm less likely to beat myself up, which I have a real tendency to do because it's not about reaching a certain mark. It's just about being able to say, hey, there's been incremental improvement. Yeah. Which is progress. And I think that when I'm listening to you saying that and um, the the side of me that just wants to be the best goes, yeah, but if you just move incrementally, then you're not going to like, how do you get, get somewhere quick, if you know yeah. what I mean? But it's one of those things that if you, if you have that mentality of I need to be a better version of myself tomorrow than I am today, you don't, you don't. It's it's very hard, I think, to to not change rapidly. If you yeah. know, you know what I mean, like, and I don't know how to phrase that, but if you start consciously make consciously making a decision that you're going to be in some area better tomorrow than you are today, yeah, very quickly, you know, it's like a the snowball going down a hill or whatever. Yeah, totally. It's those little things that end up being big things, you know. Yeah. Um, well, if you think about it over a year, that's 365 incremental changes. Yeah. 365. That's 
going to be some serious progress yeah. by the end of the year. Well, it's like if you're writing a book. Mm. Like you go, oh, I want to write a book, but a book's so massive. If you write a day or a page a day, yeah. you get a 365-page book. In a year. That's a big book for me to read. <laughs> it's probably too big for me to read. <laughs> yeah. I'll look at it and go, oh, it's yeah. over 300 pages. So you could write half a page a day. Exactly. You know? Like, yeah. And make that page incredible. Mm. And, you know, like that sort of thing. Um, I listen – I, I, I reference podcasts a lot because that's yeah. pretty much all I do at work is listen to podcasts. Oh, why wouldn't you? They're great. But, um, there was an interesting one. With Seth Godin. Do you know who Seth yeah, Godin yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. Crazy marketing extraordinary. He's got this like MBA ad that like to yeah. do an MBA that he's organized. Yeah, alt, the alt NBA. Yeah. yeah. I always want to do it because I'm like, he's awesome and yeah, it would be so some, cool to do. He's got some. So people that know, I think he has the most famous blog in the world. Oh, okay. He's also written some like phenomenal amount of books. Yeah, he's a bit of like a leadership guru yeah. kind of guy, isn't he? But he said the reason- it was on a podcast just recently and he said, um, people always ask me, like, how do I become a writer? Or, mm. You know, and he said, the only reason that I became a writer is because I, I wrote stuff, you know. And, he, and, <laughs> and when you think about that, you think, oh, yeah, whatever. But he said, no, I – and they said because he was famous for he would do a blog post every day and he still does a blog post every single wow, day. Wow, every day. He's done that. But they said um, – the the guy he was interviewing said, "Oh, like, how do you how do you come up with so much like wisdom in mm. a, every day?" He says, "It's because I f- I force myself to do it every day, you know. Like he says, I'm not waiting for me to have a light bulb moment yeah, to wow. write something." And he says, "Some days it's not there's not much wisdom in it, but he says the next day there is something in it." And yeah. then he says, "Maybe I'll." I'll have a good blog post that'll resonate for six times in a row, mm. and then the day that I'm not feeling so good, but I still force myself to write. You know, it's still moderately good, but it yeah. connects with someone and not, but not doesn't go viral or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And he talks about the only way to get better is to do something. Yeah, and, so that, and I was that, listening to that. That's like with a podcast, for instance. I compare myself to. I probably. It's good and bad, but, you know, what we're talking about before when I was talking about trying to think about what your life would look like in 10, 20 years or whatever. Yeah. In every situation that I have, I always go massive big picture. So, like, when I'm – even when I was coming up with what, what could I name my podcast, I was like, I wouldn't think about if it's something that I like. I'm thinking, oh, when this has been around for 15 years and I've got <laughs> 200 million downloads, is that something that I really want to have? Well, I'd be proud of that, yeah. the 200 million downloads. And yeah. like, I, I think about that, I'm like, that's just such dumb thinking. Like, I think it's good to think about that momentarily. Yeah. But I've just gone, you know what? I'm just going to do stuff as long as, the, as long as episode three is, I feel it's better than episode two. And not because I have a better guest or anything, but yeah. just because I've spoken better, or I've asked better questions, yeah. and it's a win. Yeah. You know? And then, as you said, by the time we get to episode 100, if we get that far, hopefully, yeah. imagine what it'll look like. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, that sort of thing. I think that's, the, yeah, that mentality stuff's just key. Yeah. I really liked what, um, I think it was, this, he was talking about rule four, or maybe it was rule one, which is the, 
stand up straight with your shoulders back sort yeah. of thing. The most controversial. The chapter. most controversial. Because they're and it's controversial because people say, "Oh, you're being it's aggressiveness." Yeah, but he's actually saying, "No, you're being by you're being vulnerable, but you're also facing the day confidently." You're facing. It's more. The it's more about being courageous rather than aggressive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but he talks about and and you could probably correct me, but I think it was in that one. He was also talking about, you know, you need to have a foundation but then build on that foundation to get better and better as a human being. And you're constantly on this, on the edge of chaos and getting better. And mm. he used the analogy of like music, which resonated with me. So yeah. it's like, you know, think of a good, think of any good song that you love. It's because it has a good melody, a good beat, mm. good a good lyrics or good message or something in it. He says, but if you listen to that, Exact same beat, exact same melody for the whole song. It'd get pretty boring after yeah. a while. So a good musician has a firm foundation, but then builds on that every all the time. You know, every verse will be a little bit different. Yeah, there's intricacies in it. Intricacies. Yeah. And then it'll come down a little bit and change for the bridge or something like that. Mm. Um, unless it's like a Techno song, and then it's the same thing for <laughs> two hours. <laughs> that's not true. I like some of that sort of music yeah. sometimes. Um, but that stuck with me because, mm. like, that it's that constant, here's my firm foundation, and kind of the this is what I want, this is who I am. Mm. Now, how can I build on that? Yeah. You know, yeah, it was that was, it was such a good, it was a good night. Yeah. Really liked it. It was. And I think, like, you know, you put some of his other stuff aside, you know, if there's, you know, people think he's controversial or whatever, you break down the 12 rules and you go, there is some, like, real gold in that. I, when I read the book, my favorite one was the rule, I think it's um, rule two, where it's like, treat yourself like someone you're responsible for caring. Yeah. And he quotes this crazy statistic that says people are more likely to make sure that their pets consume their medication regularly and on time than they are themselves. Yeah. Crazy, hey. And I was like, I remember reading that and being like, oh, that's ridiculous. And then as I read the chapter, I was like, oh, man, like actually I don't treat myself very well. Yeah. Like I don't actually look after myself the way I would look after someone else. And, um, you know, like little things like, you know, my wife, Rachel, you know, she burned her hand recently and, you know, I'm all like, you know, make sure you get the medication and put the ba- like put the bandage on, all that sort of stuff. But if I did it to myself, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm all right, you know, like she's fine. She'll be right, mate. Yeah, exactly. And it's like <laughs> actually, that's not looking after myself well. But then you look at it internally, and it's yeah, exactly yeah. the same thing. And you can see how the rules into play because if you're not trying to just be a little bit better each day, and particularly in our world with like social media and stuff like that, you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. Mm. It's really easy to not care for yourself very well. Yeah, in fact, to beat yourself up, try and force yourself to be better, be merciless with yourself mm. to try and be like others because you're too concerned with being who someone else is today than being better than you were yesterday. Yeah. And it's like they're two different rules, but you can see the health yeah. of how they interplay together. Well, I don't think – and I think he said – on Thursday night, none of this stuff's new. No. Like none of these concepts are new, but I think what is new is where he's actually putting it in a book and saying like in today's landscape and and saying 
this is what you need to do to be a better person. Yeah. Right? And and that's what I think a lot of people don't like. A lot of people don't like being told, hey, you should do this to be a better person because yeah. they say, well, I'm, I am who I am, you know. I was born this way. I was born this way, <laughs> Lady Gaga. Um, but And there's an element of that where you go, well, mm. I am who I am. But it's also, and I think the big thing is, is he's saying it's your responsibility. Like it's always, yeah. it's your duty to get better, to be a better person. Yeah. You know, and that looks different for every person, but there are principles that you need to follow, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was really good. It was. It was um, yeah, just brilliant. And I mean, even just watching someone hold a room captive for like two hours. And the thing that was most incredible is he's not a dynamic communicator. So you don't go and he's like, wow, he's really interesting to watch. He spent most of the time staring at the floor playing yes. with his wedding ring. Yeah. Did you notice that? Like, yeah. Because, but he's, it's what is coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Is, and it's know. that great reminder that brilliant content will keep people yeah. engaged yeah, just as much as brilliant presentation. Yeah. If you can get the both together, like I just imagine, like imagine if he, you know, I always think of like the people like a Stephen Furtick and those guys who are really engaging to watch. Like you go, the content's good, but like you're easy to watch. You know, imagine if he presented like someone like that or with like that Tony level of Robbins content. Or yeah. Like with that level of content, yeah. you'd be like, he's already highly in demand, but it would just be like, yeah, crazy off the charts. And do you think a bit of his appeal though is because he is not like that? Yeah. You know what I mean? It seems more real. It doesn't seem like it's hype. Yeah. I really, I really enjoyed how, and he said it quite a lot. Like he, he is still figuring this stuff out Mm. as well. Like I really enjoyed when he would go, you know, rule two, for instance, and say it and then go, you know, this has caused a lot of controversy. And I think it's because I should have written it this way or I should have. It's someone who acknowledges, hey, you know, I haven't, I've written this book. But I, I'm not a perfect person. I haven't got all the answers. These are huge topics. I'm still figuring them out, you know, and we can figure them out together. Yeah. I really, I respond well to that authenticity and and just humbleness as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Where you could, I think, part of his appeal is that he is. He gets angry. Like he'll get angry if he, mm. because he's like, no, this is. This is uh, not true, or this, yeah. is, you know, and but because he is almost—I don't know what the word is. Not unassuming. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, there's this sense of like, it I'm just feel me. Fake. Yeah. yeah, and I think because he—it sounds like he was never aiming to achieve the level of fame that he got. No, it just, just it sort of came and came upon him. Yeah, and he can partly think. Well, I think he says it. He's like, I do thank a lot my critics for <laughs> thrusting me into the limelight even yeah. more, you know. Um, I read this crazy – it was a – it popped up in my Facebook thing. It was from that, you know, Mamma Mia site. Oh, yeah. Man, what such a – They, they do some hilarious Bachelor recaps, Oh, they though. do. They do some funny <laughs> stuff. But when they try and do genuine journalism, yeah. it's interesting. So, they – there was a review on – I think it was the Sydney one. Yeah. And the lady said, all these all these white men were there. She's mm. like, Jordan Peterson hates women. The, the title was Jordan Peterson hates women or something, yeah. very, something very similar to that. Yeah, was it Jordan Peterson has a problem with women or has something like that? Has a problem with women. 
Yeah, because I think I saw it. I didn't click on it because oh, like, that's just clickbait. You didn't miss much. I, <laughs> I, I got sucked in. Uh, <laughs> but he was like, well, no, it was a female journalist and she was like, you know, just constantly said in it how the entire audience was white males. Mm. And what I couldn't believe is when we went, we were in Brisbane, obviously. Yeah, which I, is pretty conservative state. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I don't know if it was 50-50, but it would have been close. There was a lot of females in that room. Yeah, I was surprised by how many women there were. Yeah. And particularly women who came by themselves. Yeah. Like it wasn't like they were coming along with their boyfriend. Like there was multiple women. There was one even in our row and one just across from us who were, came by themselves. Yep. They didn't come with any other men. And they were holding the book as well. Yeah. And they, they didn't protest, so they weren't there to protest. Well, if they yeah. were there to protest. They didn't do a very good job of it. They didn't do a very good job. <laughs> I didn't hear them. Because they sat. It was a silent protest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pay money to support you. And I'm not going to say anything <laughs> yeah. negative about it. Yeah. Yeah. What a way to what a way to disrupt the society. Just really stuck it to him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I was really encouraged by that, to be honest. Like, yeah. And um, and not because I'm getting on the bandwagon of, um, yeah, I don't know what bandwagon I'm getting on, but I was really encouraged. You know. Yeah. Well, you weren't worshiping like some people were. Oh, I get yeah. that. No, Those front two rows standing. There just was definitely some people that are, because he if. If you don't have a bigger something else to look up to in your life, you people are drawn to figures like that, you know. Oh, and like, it's easy for these twelve rules for life to become a secular person's bible. Oh yeah, it's their religion. Yeah, you know, like uh, I mean, because we were sitting next to Chris, I was sitting next to Chris. It was between you and me, and he was like, "Oh, look at all these people standing up." And but I was like, Jordan Peterson right now is like almost Jesus. Yeah, yeah, totally. This is is their religion. He's given them a sense of meaning and purpose and for some people like change their lives with the 12 rules, you know. They're like, oh, my life was spiraling out of control and now, you know, I've got a sense of purpose and meaning. And Do you reckon Jordan Peterson's a Christian? Don't know. That's always a a tough question. People seem to think that. He quotes a lot of the Bible. He does, yeah. I think he's more of a theist. What's a theist? Someone who believes in a higher power but doesn't necessarily have a – Fixed religion point. Yeah, is it like so, an ag? Is it like an agnostic? Agnostic, I think, is kind of like, um, and my definitions might be wrong, but from my understanding, an agnostic is kind of someone like, yeah, I think there might be a god, but I'm not really too worried about it. But he's, yeah. John Peterson's got this quote that's kind of like, um, I live my life, my life as if God is real, um, and there's something like, and in fear that I'm probably right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he 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 kind of has that theist outlook where it is like I think there might be a higher power and I think he might have a bit of a say about my life. Yeah. Okay. But I'm not sure whether he's the Christian god or the Muslim god or you know Buddhism is the way there. Yeah, yeah. So he's a bit more generalized. He's like I don't have a fixed religion point, but I kind of live my life as if he is Yeah. there is a higher being holding me accountable. Yeah, because he, he does I yeah, he does mention it mention he uses scripture a lot. Yeah. I think that's just because of the Judeo-Christian culture and background. Yeah. Like the Bible is the book that built the Western culture. Yeah. 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 It's true. And um, people don't like knowing that, but it is – it's kind of yeah. history. Yeah. Christians, you know, started hospitals and universities and acknowledged the dignity of human life and, yeah. you know, what there is a whole lot, lot of terrible things that came about because of Christian history. Yeah. There is a lot of that sort of stuff yeah, definitely. that happened. Yeah, but it it is a it's a credible, credible 
book and like, you know, even a lot of atheists, like scientists and people like that say that, like, well, there's evidence that Jesus was a real person yeah. alive at that time. There's so much um, corroborating evidence, like yeah. off of the scriptures and things like yeah. that, that I don't think any really um, educated person says Jesus was not a real person. Yeah. Um, and so I think he's saying, look, this, yeah. just as he kind of used like um, Socrates, I think. That, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so interesting. And on a side note, when he was talking about his uh, house, is his name Socrates? Yeah, I think, the, I think that that's how they say it. The philosopher. I looked him up. Now, yesterday I was working hard. Yeah. I went on a big Wikipedia, <laughs> Wikipedia wormhole. Classic. He, I didn't realize he was like, oh, like 100 BC, BC or something. Yeah, crazy. yeah. He's like super old. Yeah, he is. And, um, but he was talking about how Socrates had always had this kind of voice inside of him which you could call his conscience, I guess. Yeah, that's what we would call it now. Yeah, but yeah. he would always it would always tell him what not to do. Yeah. What not to do. Not what to do, but what not to do. Yeah. And it, he used to call it his daemon. Daemon, yeah. Daemon. That was the word they used. And But that, Jordan Pierce was saying, oh, I've learnt that this that is the root word for democracy. Yeah, that was interesting. That was really interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that tied into the entire. No, I can't remember now. That I you think said that he either. was just kind of like, "Hey, I learnt this today," or like, "Learnt this this." Or well, was he trying to make a point about an inner democracy, about how like there's this other thing inside of you, like you know your conscience, that you know you have a dialogue with and you make decisions about how you're going to operate and live your yeah. life, like democratically. Yeah, which everyone, well, I think everyone does. I think that's true. I think yeah, that, because that ties in with ah, uh, whichever rule it is, it's at the end, which is. Tell the truth, always tell the truth, or, or at, at least, least don't, don't lie. Because yeah. um, he's saying no matter what your moral structure is, you know something inside of you, you know when you're not telling the truth and you know you know when you're doing something wrong. You know? yeah. And so it's sort of listening to that and, and learning from yeah. that and understanding where that comes from. Because mm. you know? as we talked about at the start of when we first started talking, that can be something – like when you were talking about your what came out of when you were younger, yeah, that can yeah. be something that is either a good thing or a bad thing as well. Yeah, totally, yeah, and can be used for good. No, that's good. What else did I have? What's your so you're a youth pastor at the moment? Yeah. What do you reckon your what's your big dream? No, oh, that is a great question. Big dream. I don't know. I felt like when I was younger, I always dreamed of doing the whole like senior pastor. Um, leading a large church, all of that. I think that was a little bit of ego now that I look back, you know, just as a kid, like if I get there and probably not understanding myself a little bit, if I get there, I will have made it. I will be powerful. I'll, you know, like yeah, I'll be in charge um, kind of thing. I think there was that. Probably now I just, I probably try and think a little bit more around like, um, Instead of like what dream would I love to achieve, which I still think is a little bit there. Like there's some, you know, those kind of like, oh, it'd be cool to do this, it'd be cool to do that. I kind of try and think a little bit more about like legacy, like what do I want to be known for? Yeah. And I think probably that started to happen when I finished up in my old church back in Ballarat. So back in Ballarat at that church, I had grown up there. So I moved there when I was three. 
Yeah. And I basically went to that church from when I was three until I left when I was 25. Okay. And so- as I was ingrained f- and- yeah. yeah. But as I was finishing there, it was kind of like all of a sudden these thoughts, it was like, what do I hope people say about me when I'm gone? Yeah. Like, what's my legacy going to be? Like, as much as I could achieve all of these dreams, what is the point if I leave a trail of people to go, Ben was a terrible human being? Yeah. Yeah, he wrote five books. You know, he's a really great preacher. But if you ever talk to him, he's terrible. Like, he doesn't care about people. He doesn't listen. He doesn't love people. He's not very gracious or gentle. You Mm -hmm. know, like, what's the point of achieving all these things if the legacy that I leave behind is woeful? Yeah, I'd rather be not remembered at all than remembered poorly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so I think that's been part of it for me. Like what what legacy do I want to leave behind? Like what legacy do I want to have in my life? I think it's Henry Cloud in his book Integrity. I think he talks about what's the wake of your life. So, you know, like how a boat goes through water and then the wake Mm. goes out behind it. He's like, we live a life that is like that. It's like we're going in one direction, but sometimes we don't understand or we underestimate the wake yeah. and how far reaching like it can be. the ripple effect kind of. Exactly. Yeah. And um, that actually what we should be thinking about is what what is our wake? Like what are we leaving behind? What is the ripple of our life for others? And I think I read that around a similar time that I was finishing up and it was kind of like, whoa, like I needed to, to think like that. Mm. And so for me, that's probably been more what I think, what, what legacy do I want to leave behind? And so for me, it's all about like human flourishing. Yeah. And so as a pastor, I think Jesus is a key part of that. Like I think um, people finding Jesus, I think they're going to find a, a new sense of hope, purpose, meaning, healing in their life that is going to be a part of their human flourishing. Um, but I also think that it is just about helping people be who they were designed to be, realizing the incredible untapped potential that is within within each human being. Yeah. Like I I hate, probably that's been my big thing, is I hate seeing people sell themselves short. Yeah, I can't stand that. Just like you can do more than you realize, like so much more. And so I, I always hope now, probably more than anything, that the legacy that I'm leaving behind is that people feel like when I spent time with Ben, I left a better person than I was before. I felt like I was more capable of doing something. I felt like I was encouraged to achieve something I never thought I could. I felt like I learned something. I was equipped to do something. But the legacy from me is that people are better for having been in my presence. Mm. In that weird sense of, not that I'm Jesus, like spend time in the presence of Ben and your life will be better. But as in like- You should write 12 rules. <laughs> Ben's 12 rules for life. Yeah. Um, number one, spend time in his presence. Number, but, um, number two, always get a tattoo at a different tattoo parlor. Yeah, that's right. I don't know if that'd be very helpful rules. That'd be helpful for somebody wanting to get a tattoo. <laughs> that's right. Um but yeah, so just like that sort of idea that that anytime I'm talking to people, it's about helping them be better. Yeah, cool. Um, that's kind of the idea. And then I think probably some of my dreams would come about because of that. You know, like I'd love to, I'd love to write a book, and I'd love to help young communicators. So I think that's some of the things I see a lot of books about. 
you know, communicating to certain contexts and people, but they're often for people who are already doing it regularly. Yeah, yeah. And probably one of my things, particularly in church world is, and in being in youth, I get these 19-year-olds and go, all right, here, have a preach. And there's not really great content to give them. I got to coach them through it a lot. And I know that that's probably something that's happening in the church at large. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, mm. and I go, there's a whole lot of churches that these young people, you know, they, they might be passionate about Jesus, they want to, you know, talk about what they're learning in, in the Bible, but they're not getting really well equipped. They either don't have a great communicator above them or they, don't, or they might, but that person doesn't necessarily have the time to invest in them really well, yeah. to coach them through the whole process. And so I'd love to, like, just have some resource available. It's just, you know, super basic but that people can access. So, you know, they could be in this small church in Sydney. They're like 20 years old, trying to start a youth ministry. They don't really know what to do or how to preach well to reach young people. And there's something they can just find online. Yeah. Um, do it. To do that. Yeah. So, that's like part of that. Love to do that. So, yeah, book, like do that. And I just, yeah, I don't know what it, what it all looks like, but even just getting alongside people. and I think that's a part of it. Like um, what you said, you know, you just said it then. I don't know what it all looks like. I think that is part of the fun of life. You oh, know? totally. You know what I mean? Like, but I, and it sounds, it sounds so obvious, but I myself get caught up all the time. I'm like, I need to have a super, super clear picture. And I talked about having a clear picture, mm. but that's kind of like understanding that that clear picture is a picture that I have now. Yeah. But if I work my way towards that, it's, there's a high chance it's going to look different. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm striving, I think it's what you're talking about, selling yourself short. That is something that I'm super passionate about is going, there's people, I I hate hearing the words, I just can't do that. Oh, yeah. Or, um, oh, I really would love to do that, but, you know, I'm just, it's just not who I am. It's like. It, it's it just do it like um, yeah. Or and if you'd love to do that, there's a passion in there that must be part of who you are. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. And do it. And saying just do it, I realize that that is like oh easier said than done. Because, yeah. But just maybe just start is the word. You know, yeah. like um, which is what I've found. Like it only progress only happens when you start. You know. Yeah. Like, um, I I've sat there and thought about things for months. Yeah. And. And then you go, it's too hard, it's too hard. Like, well, send an email. You know, yeah. um, even a couple of guests that I've got coming on in the future, I was sitting there going, oh, they could, they could never come on the show. I don't even know. I don't know who they are. I haven't met yeah. them. I found their Facebook, sent them a Facebook message. One of them within like five minutes was like, yeah, I'd love to. It's like, ah, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> now i got to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly but I wasn't right. expecting, you know, like a yeah. part of me wasn't expecting, but then I was like, oh, what's the worst that can happen? You know, the worst that happens is they go, sorry. And even if they say, sorry, you're an idiot, it's like, yeah. well, that's fine. You're not coming on the show anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want you. You're rude. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, then I think, I don't, I think that people don't, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, that, um, well, maybe they do understand it, but, they're, it's it's intimidating. It's oh, it is. Um, there's a thing that I've I've learned as well, which I, I'm starting to do more, which is called like goal setting is great, but there's a thing called like fear setting. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's going. This is what I would love to do. I'm going to write three columns now. What is from like you know this is 
almost like a risk assessment, like low, medium, high. Oh, okay, now I'm out now. <laughs> but yeah, I hate risk. I was a workplace health and, soft, health and safety officer at my work. Oof. I was the worst workplace health and safety officer ever. <laughs> anyway, I'm not, I don't have that job anymore. But um, the fear setting, it was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. I've built it all up in my head. But if I write down, what is the worst thing that can happen? And it's almost like you do a bit of free writing. So it's like, mm. you know, don't critique it. Just go it's most extreme, you know, it could be like, I'm going to die, you know, yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah, I want to go kite surfing. Yeah, worst thing that happened, oh, I could die. Well, like even podcasting, it could be like, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this guest on or I'm going to, I'm going to call this guest up. What's the worst that could happen? It could be like, they're going to think I'm an idiot and, and like spread and tarnish my reputation. Like mm. the probability of that happening is like 0.001%. Very low. And also, if I approach them politely, it's probably near impossible. They're not going to yeah. do that. You know, but it's all this stuff that you don't realize is in your head that you kind of think about. And if you actually put it out on paper, you come most of the time you look at it and go, there's no downside. Like, yeah. Or if there is a downside, it's extremely low. And you can usually, if it's of such a low downside, turn it into an upside by going, look, this person might reject me if I see if they're going to come on the podcast. But, hey, at least I'll have the experience of reaching out to an influential person. Yeah. At least yeah, I'll really know good. what not to do next time. You know, and a lot of the times it's probably because they've got 10,000 other people asking them to do yeah. it at the same time. But you can usually turn downside into an upside, you know, like um, I don't know how we got onto that. But it's something that I'm- Oh, yeah, it was human about- Potential, yeah. Like, oh yeah, but, but you've yeah. done fear, fear setting, fear setting. Yeah, another thing from a Tim Ferriss podcast. Yeah, yeah I'm going to get him on the podcast yeah. one day. You're going to have to say that because you're like, I quote you all the time, so you got to come on now. Yeah, and just, um, and then he can quote me. And what's the worst thing that could happen if you ask him? Yeah, exactly. He says no. Well, he won't if he doesn't reply. Well, then I'll just try again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Or figure out a different way to do it. You know, it's all. He talks about. Um, and not him. Like, I, he's probably the most – him and Joe Rogan are probably the most two podcasts I listen to, Yeah. I'd say. But they're both both like, you know, he – Tim Ferriss, for instance, had Jamie Foxx on the show. Wow. That was one of his – like, that was a couple of years ago now. It was one of his big breaks. But he talks about I had – it took him like, I think it was 16 months or something crazy of back and forward just trying to work that out. You know, of him, Jamie going, well, Jamie's managers, not even Jamie. Yeah, yeah. A whole wall of people between him and public going, oh, look, it, you'll have to do it here. He can't do it here. But Tim just plodding along and going, I'm going to make this happen. You know, yeah. And I'm going to learn how to make this happen. He talks about how out of that experience, he's learned so much about approaching other high-profile guests. Yeah. You know, this sort of thing. And he's like, you can email 5,000 people, 10 said, 10 say yes. 4,990 say no, but hey, you've got 10 people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, like. And that just came from taking a chance. Exactly. It's better than emailing zero people because then you're guaranteed to have zero people. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah, so I think that's such a, that's something I'm really passionate about and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look for someone. I haven't mentored anyone before. I'm trying to look at, not because I have all the answers at all. Yeah, yeah. Plus I think it helped from my limited experience with sort of um, help mentoring people, mm. 
the mentor just as much as the mentor oh. mentee. Minty. What is it? Mentor? I think it's mentee. No, that sounds silly. Yeah, it does sound silly. Um, the person being mentored. Yeah. They get just about like it's a mutual relationship. Yeah, yeah. You're both really learning from each other. and Yeah. So, but yeah, no, that's that sounds awesome. Yeah. Legacy is important, hey? Yeah, totally. Yeah. My biggest, I think being a three, coming back to the Enneagram. Yeah. My biggest legacy is huge for me, you know, because yeah. I'm all about- how can I succeed have and have bring the most amount of people on that journey as well? Yeah. So, like, they talk about – I was talking to my counsellor because he's a three as well, I'm pretty sure. He's like, the biggest – the most important event of my life is the is the event that I won't be there for because it'll be my funeral, you know? So, you're like – Wow. <laughs> like, in a way, like, so that's legacy. Wow, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah what people say at your funeral. Yeah, he's like, the most – yeah, the most important event – of my life will be the the first or well, the event that I'm the only event that I can't make, you know. I was like, Oh, that's powerful. That you is know? powerful. Yeah. Pretty and that that was like, okay, you can and know you talked about it, you can have all the money in the world, but if you're a, a douchebag, people yeah. people don't remember they either won't remember you or they'll remember you very poorly. Yeah, exactly. Um whereas there's people who have done and not even like just famous. I'm not talking about that. But just like I want my like great grandchildren to be talking about. Remember when Grandpa Richo, whatever his name's, yeah, be, yeah, 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 did this. This helped us, or yeah, he did this and helped these people. You know that yeah. sort of thing. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a really great way of thinking about it. And I think that's only. I was just thinking in my head as we we're talking. Then, like my great 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 grandparents. I don't know who they are, but I think. A lot of that is also because nowadays we have there's so much more information available yeah. with people. So I think it's even more important then to leave a good legacy because yeah. if you leave a bad legacy, there's a lot higher chance that it's going to go through history. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah, yeah. You say something if you're a if you post some terrible things online and bag out people via Twitter or whatever. <laughs> yeah. They, that leaves that's going to stay there, you know. Yeah, that's right. Until something, you know, until overtakes. Twitter's forgotten about. Yeah, yeah. But whereas back in the day, you, you kind of it once you you died, that person died, or was forgotten. Yeah, you know, it's getting deep. Yeah, it? that's yeah, yeah. It's getting that weird mix of like the internet and human relationships. That's too much. But anyway, man, this has been what about. An hour and 30 minutes, so that's bang nice. on. That's pretty good. Yeah. Congratulations so good. for being able to talk to me for that long. Oh, so. mate, it's been a pleasure. Oh, that's good. You're great to talk to. Well, thanks heaps for coming on the show, man. It's oh, no worries at all. Lots of fun. It Definitely have good. to have you back on. Maybe I'll have you on with Jordan Peterson and Tim Ferriss. Oh, mate, <laughs> I would be down for that. <laughs> yeah. If you ever somehow organise that, like, yeah, you I'm in the write room. a new book, Ben and Jordan's. 14, no, 24 rules, 24 for, rules for life. 24 rules for life. It's one of his serious ones with one of, one of my random ones. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Yeah, Just to break it up a little bit. Oh, man, you got to do that. Yeah. And then, um, then you can go on Q&A. <laughs> <laughs> and be utterly useless. You get hammered. Oh, yeah, but who knows? But anyway, man, thanks so much for coming on. No, thanks for having me, mate. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. And to everybody listening, thanks so much for listening as well. Um, I hope it's been great and you've learned a lot. And see you next time. <laughs>